Hello, hi, and welcome back to another episode. Yes, I'm back. I'm back once again so soon because I have a little free time, okay? And there's just so much to bloody watch. So I'm just watching all the things. So sue me. So let's not waste any time today and just jump right into what we will be talking about in today's episode. And that is Disney Plus's The Artful Dodger. Now, as an overview, when I analyze a pilot episode, I like to look at the story, character, pace, and then lament on the possible serial arcs, you know, seen to the future. See if I can pick up what they're putting down in the pilot episode for what the future of the series could be. I also take a close look at the end of episode hook to see if it has in fact hook, lined and sinkered us into perhaps watching the second episode. And I do all of this before letting you know whether I shall be continuing with the series or not, and whether you might want to follow my lead or, you know, run in the opposite direction. I think that's enough of an intro. So let's have a look at the pilot synopsis as provided by Disney Plus UK. With a huge gambling debt coinciding with the return of Fagin, Dodger agrees to a final sting. I'm not a major fan, to be honest, with, with that synopsis. I think it just leaves too many questions. And it also doesn't let you know what kind of genre you're gonna be walking into. I'm more frustrated than intrigued because I know that it's relying on too much foreknowledge. Fagin, Dodger, The Artful Dodger, all of that has things to do with Oliver Twist. And I have never read Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. It is Charles Dickens, right? I'm just gonna go with it. I have in fact watched the Oliver Twist movie, the original one, and I also watched the remake, which was terrible, but I haven't read the book and I don't recall studying it for school at any point in time. So I have little to no recollection of who Fagin is and who Dodger is. But you know what, maybe all of that doesn't matter. When they created the series, I'm sure they took into consideration the fact that many, many people have not watched Oliver Twist and a lot of people may never even have heard of Oliver Twist. I mean, times, they have changed. Unless this was, say, Oliver Twist written by Colleen Hoover or Sarah J Maas. <laughs> but that's enough picking apart of the pilot synopsis. Let us move on to the credits. And I just enjoy going through the credits because I just like knowing all those little bits of information about who wrote it, who starred in it, the episode length, the title, and just sort of digging a little deeper into what all of these things possibly mean. So to begin, we have a pilot title and the pilot title for the first episode of The Artful Dodger is The Yankee Dodge. And it doesn't make any sense at all until you watch the pilot episode and it is in reference to a specific kind of procedure that somebody performs in the episode. We have an episode length of 50 minutes, so you will hear no complaints from me because that falls right within the margins where I feel comfortable. We have a series length of eight episodes and yeah, yeah no comment on that either. I think it's so interesting that <laughs> these days, if it's got more than six episodes, I start groaning. Whereas I used to be heavily, heavily, heavily against all of these programs that had such shorter episode lengths. And I used to be one of those people that was like, bring back the 22 episode series. I need more episodes, make it last a year, not only six or seven weeks. Whereas now, now I have grown, now I have things to do. And the way that I was juggling shows back then, 22 episode shows, mind you, is like, it's, it's no wonder that I barely had time to do anything else. So yeah, I'm happy, eight episodes, fantabulous. The Yankee Dodge was written by one of the show's creators, James McNamara. And looking at his filmography, except for The Artful Dodger, he hasn't actually done too much writing for television. 
The only thing that he has done is The Outrageous True Story of Milky Moore, which is a 2022 podcast series. And that is it. There is no other credits mentioned on his IMDb page in relation to having written for television before. So I want to talk to whoever James McNamara talked to in order to get him straight to the top there. Which fountain did you toss a coin into? Where did you find your genie? And how many wishes do you have left with them? I'm probably going to stop short of performing any satanic rituals, but I want to know. I've got questions. Or perhaps it's just the fact that the outrageous true story of Milky Moore, the 2022 podcast, was that good. The Yankee Dodge was directed by Jeffrey Walker, and Jeffrey Walker has directed various episodes for various television programs, including Young Rock, Modern Family and Difficult People. Now, Jeffrey Walker is an Australian-born director and he has directed episodes of H2O Just Add Water between 2006 and 2010. Does anybody else remember that show? We gotta stick together. It's about three girls who end up turning into mermaids when they go swimming in this random pool just as the moon shines over it on the right time of the year or something like that. And do you know what? I was talking about this the other day because I was feeling so, so sorry for these girls like they couldn't even have a bath or a shower without turning <laughs> into a mermaid it was so inconvenient I mean it's a good thing they didn't live in England but one of the girls was a swimmer and she could basically never swim again anyway as you can also guess as well as H2O just add water Jeffrey Walker has directed episodes of Neighbours which is where he cut his teeth between 2003 and 2004 Moving on to who we have in front of the camera. To begin with, we have Thomas Brody Sangster and Thomas Brody Sangster plays Dr. Jack Dawkins, AKA the former Artful Dodger, and he is our main protagonist. Brody Sangster has a very long filmography. He has starred in the likes of The Queen's Gambit, which I haven't watched. I might end up watching at some point in life, but I have reasons for not watching it and let's not go into that. Brody Sangster also starred in the Maze Runner film series. He was the voice, if you can call it that, of Ferb on the Disney Channel series Phineas and Ferb. And he is actually British, so he has done a lot of British things, including Wolf Hall, Game of Thrones. He also starred in the film Nowhere Boy. He's been in episodes of Doctor Who, the film Nanny McPhee, and way back when, when he was just a little boy, he starred in the BBC series Feather Boy and the popular Christmas rom-com Love Actually. Next on our selected cast list, we have David Thwellis, who plays Norbert Fagan. And Thwellis has starred in the following film and TV. Human Resources, Enola Holmes, The Sandman, Landscapers, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Fargo, Wonder Woman, and he, of course, played Professor Ramus Lupin in the Harry Potter film franchise. Lupin is actually one of my favourite characters in the whole of the Harry Potter series, but that's another conversation for another day. Because lastly to say is that Thwellis will also be starring in the upcoming Avatar 3 movie. Still haven't seen Avatar 2, but I know it's there for me to watch. And so because of that, I've put less pressure on me watching it. Maybe by the time Avatar 3 comes out, I'll binge 1 and 2. We shall see. Maya Mitchell plays Lady Belle Fox and Mitchell is most known for starring as Callie Adams Foster on the series The Fosters and its spin-off Good Trouble. She's also starred in the film Sitting in Bars with Cake and for Disney she has starred in the series Jessie, the film Teen Beach Movie and Teen Beach 2 as well as K9. 
And finally, we have Damon Herriman, who plays Captain Lucian Gaines. And Herriman has starred in the series The Tourist, The Underground Railroad, The Serpent, Justified and Mindhunter. And those four are the main cast members. But I will also say that I did see Jessica DeGal appear in the pilot episode. Now, DeGal recently played Becca on Channel 4's The Couple Next Door. And if you're not sure what that is, listen to the first five minutes of the episode I did on it last month. Now, in terms of what made me want to watch the pilot episode of The Artful Dodger, honestly, I haven't watched a good costume drama in a while, so I was happy to see people wearing old-timey things. And I also have a soft spot for Thomas Brody Sangster, simply because he's British and he, I remember watching Featherboy and I remember him being this sort of young, bright-eyed boy during Love Actually, and so I've watched him come up. He, for me, is in the same category as, oh God, what's that guy's name? He's currently playing The Good Doctor and he starred in, oh, so many things. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Johnny Depp one, and Finding Neverland, the other Johnny Depp one. Oh, that's going to bug me. And he starred in this film with um, Emma, not Watson, Roberts. He also started this film with Emma Roberts called The Art of Getting By, which I really enjoyed back when it came out. Oh, Freddie Highmore, Freddie Highmore. That's what it is. So Thomas Brody Sangster is in the same category as Freddie Highmore for me because I remember when they were little bubbies and now they're grown men and just good for them. Again, anytime I see anybody getting out of the whole UK film and TV landscape, round of applause, round of a freaking applause. But back to what made me want to watch The Artful Dodger, um, I think lastly to say is that when it comes to older titles that have had multiple adaptations, like Oliver Twist, I'm not precious. So I was interested in seeing how they were going to extend the twist verse, the Oliverse, and how they were going to take these select characters and push them in a new direction possibly. As I said at the start, I have not read Oliver Twist. I don't think I have any real intention of reading Oliver Twist, to be honest. There, I don't think it's on the list of classics that I want to get to. So I'm quite happy to watch it be chopped and changed every which way. Now let's chat about the first 10 minutes of The Yankee Dodge, which is the pilot episode for the Artful Dodger series. Now, why the first 10 minutes, you wonder? Well, because the first 10 minutes is practically constructed to keep your interest. And that process starts from the writing stage to the reading stage, eventually pouring into the watching stage. And it should be one of the most engaging parts of a feature film or television pilot to really keep you in your seat. So the first 10 minutes of The Yankee Dodge starts like this. So simultaneously, Dr. Jack Dawkins is on a boat playing a game of presumably poker against Captain Lucian Gaines. So while that happens, a crowd of men drink, stamp their feet and yell, cut, 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 in what looks like a lecture hall, but old timey, but we later learn is actually the Royal Hospital. Dawkins loses his game because Gaines cheats. However, that doesn't matter because now he's indebted to him. But that is a problem for later because Dawkins basically ups and runs and races through the hard sanded streets to the Royal Hospital where a patient lies on the table in wait. We watch Dawkins quickly scrub up and skillfully twirl and catch a scalpel. Think Jasper Cullen in the baseball scene in Twilight. All of this, the gambling, the running, the hospital is all done to the soundtrack of The Joker and the Thief by Wolf Mother. Think classic rock guitar riffs and the powerful pounding of drums. It's pretty fudging beautiful. Add to playlist. 
like P.T. Barnum, Dr. Jack Dawkins regales the crowd and gets them pumped to watch him perform an amputation. Honestly, men are so weird. Dawkins then bets his colleague that he can do it in under 43 seconds, which would basically beat his colleague's record. Spoiler alert, he smashes it. Then we get a flash of the title, The Artful Dodger, where the D in the Dodger has been cleanly sliced like the patient's leg. We come back in on two women, Fanny and Belle. Fanny, who is interested in dresses and marriage, the younger of the two, and Belle, who is more interested in science and learning. It's all very cliche, but we do get from their tete-a-tete that they are in Australia and that Belle has a sixth suitor coming to see her for marriage soon. We go back to Dr. Jack Dawkins and Captain Lucien Gaines catches up with him and tells him that he owes him the 26 pounds by Tuesday or he loses his hand. On the plus side, Jack does in fact get to choose which hand he loses, so that's kind. We then flip back to the women and a suitor, the sixth suitor, has arrived, which Lady Bell dismisses. And this is technically the 10 minute mark, but shit gets interesting just after that, so we'll continue. Dawkins is checking in new convicts. Not quite sure why, because he's a doctor. Is it some sort of side hustle? We never learn the reason for this. But it doesn't matter because it is perfectly contrived to reveal that one of the new convicts is in fact Fagin and Dawkins looks like he's just seen a ghost. In fact, I think he did think for a second he was seeing a ghost because he does say to Fagin, I thought you were hung 15 years ago. Fagin refers to Dawkins as Dodge and Dawkins makes very quick work of pulling Fagin to one side, telling him to basically keep his mouth shut. They have a past, one that Dawkins definitely wants to keep buried. Now, Fagin makes it clear that they will have to scratch each other's back if Dawkins wants his secret to stay secret, because Fagin knows that Dawkins, aka Dodge, escaped from prison in London at least 15 years ago, something that could get him hanged even now that he's living in Australia. To ensure that Fagin doesn't spill his secrets, Dawkins makes him his convent servant, like an absolute idiot. I mean, just send him to the hard mines or whatever it is, but you know, then this wouldn't allow for the many trips and turns this line of narrative will produce. And that is the 13-ish minute mark. As an intro, I really enjoyed those first five-ish minutes with the sort of classic rock soundtrack and how fast everything was moving and the chanting of the men in the hospital theatre. It was all very electric. And so that was really, really enjoyable for me. I definitely would say that the Dawkins, aka Dodger scenes were a lot more interesting than the ones with the girls, Belle and Fanny, which is a shame because it did throw the pace off and it sort of felt like a placeholder and mm, it was very cliche. From that intro, I will say that the intersection of Dawkins and Lady Bell is inevitable, but you know, we will have to wait and see how and when in the pilot episode. As well as that, the intro of Fagin added to Dawkins already piling plate, which is good. So I can already see hopefully where the rest of the episode will be going and how they will bulk out certain parts of it. Right, let's talk main characters. And there are two. Yeah, I'd say there were two. The first being Dr. Jack Dawkins, aka Dodge. So if I end up calling him Dodge, because now that I've got two names to go by, I might just pick the simplest one and Dodge is um, shorter. <laughs> Dodge is one syllable. So Dodge, formerly the Artful Dodger, now Dr. Jack Dawkins, is starting his life from scratch. We do get a bit of his backstory within the pilot episode that he was formerly a child thief that used to work for Fagan. 
but time and opportunity has shown that people can change. And that is certainly what Dodge has done, at least to an extent. But maybe perhaps that's only if their past stays where it is and lets them. There is also a tenderness to Dr. Jack Dawkins, and that adds a really nice touch to his character. And this tenderness comes into play when it comes to caring for his patients. He cares if they live or die. He cares if they are in pain. He wants the best for them. And yeah, that just gives me all the warm and fuzzies for his personality. Dawkins has a lot of unresolved father issues, and this probably would have stayed buried if his surrogate father hadn't turned up and then started bribing him. And that, of course, is Fagan. It is complicated. Fagan, despite leaving him to rot, is like his father. So there is a part of Dawkins who doesn't want to see him go to the hard mines, whatever that is. There's another part of Dawkins who probably is relieved to see that his surrogate father is not dead, but at the same time wishes that he'd never stepped foot on his new little slice of paradise and the life that he's made for himself because he knows that Fagan could all see it come crashing down. And not just because he's bribing him, but because Fagan is a lunatic, but we will get to him later. So far, we like Dr. Jack Dawkins, and it's hard to say where all of these little problems that he has currently got himself into will lead him but we kind of think that by the end of the day, he's no longer the villain. Presumably in Oliver Twist, he was the villain, but he's not the villain anymore. He is the hero and the hero must prevail. So hopefully by the end of the series, everything Dodge wants will come to pass. We hope, we hope, we hope that they're not just gonna thrust him back into the villainous role and take everything he's worked hard for away from him. But that is just me spiraling. Moving on to our next protagonist, Lady Belle Fox, and she is the first daughter of the governor, and I want to like her. I do, I want to like her. So I'm not gonna say that I don't like her, I'm just, let's say that my feelings are loading. Because right now, Lady Belle Fox is a stock type character. She is every headstrong, obstinate girl in a classic novel. She doesn't wanna get married. She wants to have her own mind. She wants to work in science, but of course, all of these things are frowned upon. She should be sitting at home and getting married and having babies. And she's just like, I don't want to do that. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen it. We've all seen it done again and again and again. So that is why she's looking very stock typey right now. She does have a random medical issue that crops up twice in the pilot episode. We're not quite sure what it is, but she clutches her heart. And even if I was a doctor, that could mean a multitude of things. So I'm guessing that will come out throughout the course of the episode. And maybe she's got a heart condition and maybe that's why she doesn't wanna spend her life raising babies. And maybe that's why she's got an aversion towards the sciences to try and fix what's wrong with her. I don't know. My job here is to be a pseudo psychologist and to judge all of these characters by the pilot episode. And in the vein of judgment, I will say that Lady Belle Fox right now is kind of self-righteous and incredibly selfish. There is a scene where she is willing to put a young boy's life on the line just to play doctor and <laughs> this is why I want to like her, but I can't quite say that I do yet. She's just moving selfish and I'm not here for it. However, as always, there is a part of me that is perpetually in support of these crazy women just doing what they need to do to get shit done in a world that won't let them. So <laughs> this is why I can't say that I don't like her, okay? She's just trying to push through the patriarchy and just she just wants to have an education, you know? Just let her be. Regarding the relationship, 
or situationship or what have you ship between Dr. Jack Dawkins and Lady Belle Fox. Can I just say that there is a scene at the end where I felt the heat and the heat I was feeling is not the Australian sun, okay? It's giving enemies to lovers, maybe because I've just finished reading an Emily Henry novel, but it's giving enemies to lovers. It's giving, I hate you, I hate you more. She wants to be a surgeon. He doesn't care about her status. She needs to marry, but if she wants to marry him, he's of course not gonna be good enough for her wealthy family. He loves her, but he doesn't wanna admit he loves her because he doesn't think that he's good enough for her. The two of them are constantly butting heads and denying that they both like each other. They'll suddenly find themselves in small enclosed spaces, inches apart, and then break away. I mean, I have read this historical romance 101 times and that could be why, despite its obviousness, I'm invested and I ship it. Moving over to antagonist and well, obviously, <laughs> let's not beat around the Fagin here. I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. <laughs> Our antagonist is, of course, Norbert Fagan and let's just call a prick a prick like he is just the worst okay he's a narcissist he's a manipulator he's a bad surrogate father he has no sense of the error of his ways he is a liability I am praying for his demise he is quite literally the devil on Dawkins's shoulder that I really want to punch in the face and with all of that being said, he is so human, which in some ways it makes me fear him more, but also really like the complexity of his character. Oh God, they did a really good job with Fagin. I can only keep my fingers and my toes crossed that by the end of the series, Fagin gets his just desserts, but knowing what kind of a slippery person he is, he very well might get away with whatever it is he might end up getting away with by the end of the series. I have absolutely no idea. But as far as an antagonist goes, oh God, he's a good one. So, so, I was so, I was, my blood was boiling. My blood was boiling. They had to take me in for tests. They were like, we've never seen this before. That's how boiling my blood was by Fagin in just that first episode. So who's to say how the rest of the series will go? That is, of course, if I end up watching the whole series. It is time for a quick interlude to see what TV and film life is looking like beyond the pilot principle. And it's quite funny because I always say film and TV and the first thing I always talk about is books. So I am currently debating between two books right now to read, having finished both Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Book Lovers. So my debate right now is between Yellowface by R.F. Quang, which was gonna be my initial next read. But I think after finishing Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow and being disappointed and then sort of, I got into my head a bit about hyped books and whether I should just give it a break and maybe read something else before I go into another potentially popular book. And so the other book I was debating is Coco Vent by Charlotte Carter. And that is a very small novel and it's a bit of a cozy, I wanna, mm, cozy mystery? I don't know, it's a mystery book. And it's set in the, I wanna say 1970s. And it's about this woman who plays the saxophone and solves murders. And I'm really, I'm really selling it right now. But as well as that, I have finally started listening to Morningstar by Pierce Brown, which is the third book in the Red Rising trilogy. And actually it might not be a trilogy, but I sort of see the first three books as a trilogy because somebody said the books that come afterwards are second, I don't know, whatever. My point is that I was supposed to finish it by the end of last year, but do you know when you're just like really excited about 
the final book in a series and you think it's going to be so good but then you start to worry that it might not be as good as the other two books and then you just don't read it that's basically what I did but I'm forcing myself to start now so that's what things are looking like on my bookshelves in terms of film I went to see Mean Girls the secret musical recently I say secret musical because I didn't watch a trailer but if you do look in the Mean Girls poster somebody pointed out to me a note in the in the a of mean girls it was a musical which is fine i like a musical i just didn't expect it to just be mean girls there was one cameo from one of the original cast members but yeah it was just mean girls but in musical form and that's that's all there was to say about that in terms of tv there really isn't much to report since my last updates in the true detective night country episode so if you've listened to that and have come directly to listen to this episode, then I will catch you up by letting you know that I haven't yet had the chance to watch the second episode of The Brother's Son. And I'm waiting for those Percy Jackson episodes to stack up before I binge it. And I've had to pause on watching Invincible season two because it's just not as compelling as series one. And I've only watched two out of the four episodes. And part of me thought if I watched the last two episodes and then I didn't like it, then when the rest of the series comes out or if they're doing it part one or part two, I have no idea. When that comes out, then maybe I also wouldn't end up watching it. So I'm giving that second part its best bet by basically holding off on the rest of series two. And that is basically where I am at. So before we head back to your regularly scheduled listening, don't forget to follow at Pilot Principle on Instagram and Twitter slash X, threads, all the places where we can chat about the latest in film and TV and books. In terms of what I really enjoyed in the pilot episode of the Artful Dodger series named The Yankee Dodge, my favourite part was actually that intro. I know I've talked about it before but I'm gonna talk about it again because that soundtrack of Joker and Thief by Wolfmother just worked really really well and I think it actually helped give a sense of tone for the episode because we really don't get much of what kind of program this is. So I'm using that as a focal point to the sort of kind of energy that we're supposed to be getting from the series. But music aside, it also was a very interesting intro to Dr. Jack Dawkins. I mean, when we see him playing cards and gambling at the beginning, we never think that this person is also a doctor and a pretty darn good one. So we get to see quite a few facets of Dawkins's personality in those first couple of minutes. The other thing that I wanna say that I really liked in the Yankee Dodge is how much I hate Fagin. Like even hate is an emotion people. So the fact that I really dislike this character is fantastic. And though I don't like seeing my Professor Lupin this way, it shows that there is some great acting coming from Thwellis, which I mean, what did we expect? He's fantastic. Now on the flippity flip side, what I didn't like so much was the middle, which felt repetitive. No, Fagin, don't do this. Oh, make me dodge. Stop it, Fagin. I'll turn you in, dodge. You must marry. I shan't marry. Stop being weird. I want to be a surgeon. <sighs> that, that was it. We were just tossing the same balls back and forth, back and forth. And though the story did move forward during the middle, it kind of felt like it inched there. You know, it didn't leap. There were no bounds. It was a small crawl from one plot point to another. But we got there. And the second thing that I didn't quite like about the pilot episode is how poor an introduction that Lady Bell Fox had, especially in comparison to Dawkins and Fagin. 
I've said it before, but she was just a complete stock type. I can't quite see what makes her different to all the other characters like her that have come in the past. And I don't think it would have taken much either. A few lines, a pet, I don't know, something to show that she is slightly different to everybody that we've seen before. I mean, oh God, what's the name of that book that I read recently? Oh, I think it was called Horn No Hunting Jack the Ripper by somebody. Apologies that I cannot remember the name, but she's exactly the same as the principal character. She also wanted to cut people up, <laughs> coincidentally. And she lived in Victoria and London or something. So yeah, it's just work harder, people. Work harder for your female characters. They can take it. Now, before we go on to the pivotal point of deciding whether or not I will be continuing with The Artful Dodger after the pilot episode, let's remind ourselves of the synopsis. So with a huge gambling debt coinciding with the return of Fagin, Dodger agrees to a final sting. Sting is a very strong word for what actually goes down. At the end of the episode, Dodger, aka Dawkins, not knowing how he's going to pay off the whopping £26. Sorry, I know that's a lot of money for back in the day. I should, I might work out what that is for inflation. If I do get around to doing that, I will make sure to pop it on one of my socials. Anyway, with Dawkins needing to pay off £26 or lose a hand, he agrees to Fagin's plan of robbing a necklace from a woman, which is taking place while Dawkins is performing a surgery on a boy using ether, which is a technique called the Yankee Dodge and technically illegal to use ether as well in Australia at that time, I might add. So sting is a very strong word for what actually happens. In terms of writing, it was fine. The only thing to note is of course that the women felt very underwritten and also like they were saying lines that had been said 1000 times before. In terms of setting, there's no real sense of scale, though we understand the kind of people to be found there. So ex-convicts, people looking for a second chance of life, come to Australia, but like Jack is on a boat at the beginning and then he runs all the way to the hospital. I don't know how far that is, how he was able to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't get the sense of the like blistering Australian heat or anything like that, or the wildlife. They might as well. I actually thought that they were in England and I was like, oh gosh, it's a bit yellow for London, isn't it? The pace rose and fell mostly around scenes involving Dawkins's surgery in terms of the, will Fagin and Dawkins get in trouble? What will Fagin do to get away from Dawkins? Will Dawkins end up paying his £26 debt? Will others find out about Dawkins past as the artful Dodger, which honestly, is it that deep? He was like 13 at the time and was clearly being used by a creepy old man, but sure. And finally, in terms of the end of episode hook, Dawkins is for the third time this episode, man, this guy has terrible luck, between a rock and a hard place. Lady Belle Fox, who has discovered that he is nothing more than a common grifter, has said to him that she wants to be the first female surgeon or she's gonna snitch. Again, I wanna like her, but why are you playing, why are you playing these games, girl? Why are you playing these games? So that is the end of episode hook, which I'm sure will feed into the serial arc two. And now there is only one question left to ask. Will I be continuing with the artful Dodger? Pause for dramatic effect. Yes, damn it, Ugh, that's like three in a row for me. So I'm actually mildly pissed because now I have so much to keep up with. On the plus side, the other few shows I said I'd be continuing with are episodic, so that gives me a bit of breathing room. Now, my main reasons for choosing to continue with The Artful Dodger include the fact that it is a light watch. 
as soon as I finished episode one, I basically just wanted to go ahead and watch episode two and just keep lying on the couch. But I had to hold off to maintain the purity of the pod. You're welcome. Secondly, I think the time period combined with the setting makes it oddly compelling, even though it's basically just a hot England. Thirdly, I really want Fagin to get his comeuppance in a horrible way. And so if I want to see that come to pass, I have to I have to watch the entire series, okay? But that is, of course, just moi. So if you are a Dickens purist and abhor the idea of an unapproved continuation of Oliver Twist, then don't even bother with the artful dodger. If you prefer a little more intensity to your programs, then the often slow portions of this won't be up to speed. And finally, if you have a little care for historical programs and prefer to have your programs perfectly rooted in the present, then The Artful Dodger will also not be for you. In terms of a pilot score, I will be giving The Yankee Dodge a three out of five. It's quite a lot of threes of late, isn't it? Well, for me, the main character and the antagonist intros and the history and the balance of their relationship worked really well and all really came out. It's quite chunky, actually. <laughs> They're like, their history is quite like bruised and battered and long and all of that managed to come out quite well in the pilot episode, which I was happy about. I understand the time period that we are in, i.e. you get hung for stealing a chicken, etc. And I also understand the motivations of Lady Belle Fox, Fagan and Dr. Jack Dawkins. Even if all Dawkins wants is to be left alone and not be indebted to so many bloody people. It's jaunty, it's light, it's fun, it's a little graphic and I understand what it is that I'm watching even though I feel like they haven't quite solidified that tone. I will say though that I am not excited. I know I said I wanted to watch the second episode immediately, but that was more of a lazy brain thing as opposed to the show itself. So as I say, I'm not excited about what's coming next. And that is what stops me from giving it a higher pilot score. Now that we have hashed out the fundamental principles, will you be giving the pilot episode, The Yankee Dodge, a watch? Or have you already binged every episode of The Artful Dodger? If you've read or watched Oliver Twist of late, can someone please explain to me who the hell <laughs> the Artful Dodger is? The name is familiar, but I honestly have no recollection of his character. Follow and chat to me over on threads, Instagram and Twitter slash X at Pilot Principle. And I will catch you on the next episode. Aww.